We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast with myself, Mark Crossfield, Lou Stagner, and Scott Fawcett. As always, we're talking today how the PGA Tour is getting wiser. So the players are maybe getting wiser, taking on a little bit more. And even, I reckon this will lead into an idea of maybe why people might think they're hitting the ball longer now. Is it something to do maybe with some of the decisions that they're making as well? Should be a fun one. Lou and Scott, welcome as always. Hey you guys, how you doing? Good, Scott. How are you? We're talking. Still, still cold in Texas. Still cold in Texas. I'm going to ignore that. Cold <laughs> Texas, good one. Um, so, PJ Tour players, we've got. We're talking Riviera, the tenth, I think it is at Riviera this week, um, and it's a hole that you've seen some patterns change over the years, possibly on how people are playing this hole who wants to kick us off scott are you going to lead the way with this one yeah i'll take it it's a great uh, it's a place that's got a lot of great memories for me honestly back in 2014 when i caddied for zalatoris when he played the texas am or when he won the texas am in u.s junior the next february they had this thing that was called a college am is basically a monday qualifier that was actually on riviera and it was so fun. We were paired with Bill Haas, another Wake Forest guy. And so we got to go around this golf course blind, which is what was really fun, obviously, with the way we prepare with satellite packets. But getting to watch Zalatoris, and to be perfectly honest, the way that we played the hole in 2015, we went in there. I, I still didn't really have all the shot link data. And I mean, I had, you know, the course management decade portion of decade, but then actually applying it with the shot link data, we really didn't have yet. And so everyone that I was asking about leading into the tournament, you know, the Monday qualifier, 14 college players for one spot in the field. They're like, well, depending on where they put the pin, if they put it in the dead, you know, in the back, right, you lay up short of the bunker and you got a nice angle working right up to the pin. And if the pins in the front bulb, you go ahead and hit driver. And that's honestly exactly what we did. And even when we were standing there, I'm like, this shot, like we'll hit a perfect shot just short left of the, the bunker that most people are trying to carry it over. And I was looking at him like, he hit this shot into about an eight yard circle that actually provides the angle everybody is saying you must have. And I was like, if he was five yards shorter, he would be dead. He would be then still coming across the corner of the bunker. If we'd gone a little bit longer, now we're in a 70 yard bunker shot to the narrowest green on the planet. And so, like I say, even personally learning and adapting it was fun because will won the, the the qualifier and then we played in the tournament and then the u.s amateur in 2017 was at riviera where one of my 
players Doc Redman won, but I caddied for Zalatoris. And so I've been around this course a long time. And this is one of the probably, I would say, the most controversial hole, not controversial is the wrong way, the most discussed hole every single year on the PGA Tour. Sean Martin, the PGA Tour writer, last year he, he uh, or two years ago, he reached out. He's like, you want to do some sort of an article on Tenant Revere? And I'm like, I'd love to. And then like a day later, he's like, I got to be honest, I'm already so sick of talking about number 10. I don't even want to do it anymore because it's just <laughs> the same debate over and over again, which here we are doing it again. But what we're well, really talk, now. Let's, let's sorry to interrupt you there. Let's just talk about the hole. So how long is the hole for people who don't know? How far is this hole? It's drivable par four. It's the 10th of Riviera. About 280 to the front edge. You've got a bunker on the left that's about 260-ish to cover. I know that it's right around that zone where guys like Zach Blair probably can't quite carry it. Okay. So there are a couple people on tour who can't quite carry, but even still, I think Zach can carry it. Yeah. Um, you got a drop off on the, the left, I think. Off the green, is there a drop off on the yep. left? Is that and right? A nice little swale that everything collects down and off of. And if you hit it, if the pin's in the back right corner and you hit it long and you have to come over the bunker, the green is only eight yards deep from front to back. Like you are 100% dead. It is not good. But you can just play it to the front bulb, which is pretty large, and try to two-putt it from about 50 feet. Again, this hole used to play with a scoring average over par. It's only 280 to the front. And they used to play it over par the last couple wow. of years. They're starting to get that scoring average down to that 3.8, 3.85-ish range, I believe. And you can just literally just look at the tracker two images and they used to lay it up. I'm making up a number here, 30 to 50% of the time to certain hole locations. And they only had about 10 or 12 guys lay up last year and the hole played with one of its lowest scoring averages ever. Yeah, so in front of me, because uh, uh, I've got the, the data in front of me from 2018 that Scott's provided, which obviously you can't see, and you have a good percentage of player laying back, whatever that is, 60, 70 yards for a pitch into a very narrow green that's then set up a hole, um, where uh, a very narrow green where the green is kind of set up at an angle, isn't it? Like you're coming across the green generally, unless you get really on the left side. Um, and then if we move forward to, I guess, the, was this 2020? Did they play last year, this event, or is this 2019? They did. This is one of the ones right before they uh, before it went out. Um, okay, before they locked. We're now yeah. seeing... But this is 2019 data here. Okay, and we're now seeing people play it in a, in a very different way. I mean, I can see... Is this round four? I can see round four bottom right here. Round four, everyone apart from one person who might have duffed it has gone for it, as I see it. Is that right? I actually think that was Harold Varner. If you remember, he hit a three-wood off the tee and chunked it. <laughs> <laughs> or he topped it even, I think. I think he actually topped it. I actually don't think his shot is on this screen and that might have been last year actually too sorry harold yeah so it's quite interesting as well that you see round one of the same year changing to round four i mean obviously there's there's the obvious part of that of people are trying to chase the check more aggressively i guess you would argue in round four to round one even though they are equal if you if you want to actually think about it we actually talked about this with the female pod in some way didn't we about him not winning like would you not go for that green like all it's it's round one and round two less people are going for the greens is that skill set based against the bigger field or are there people still nervous about score at that point no if you if you look in the bottom right the round four when the pins in the back right last in 2019 the only the one person laid up that's the pin that traditionally i mean 30 to 40% of the field would have been laying up to that pin. And now they're realizing you just send it up there and you see what that leaves you and, and recalibrate. If you wind up in a good position to have, 
you know, again, that angle, yes, I understand that angle's important. You can't intentionally go get it. You send it up there. You see if you get the angle. If you do, you continue playing, you know, aggressively towards the pin. If you're out of position, you get off the accelerator, you just dump it onto the front bulb, uh, the, the, the front left portion of the green, and you try to two putt it from, you know, about 50 or 60 feet, which again, admittedly, you're going to three putt that relatively often. But again, their scoring average used to be over par on this hole. And even that year in 2019, in the final round, the scoring average was 3.96. So to the hardest hole location on the green, they still broke par. And that hole location, it's been years where it was like 4.2. You can also see then in the other days when the pin is up in the front left, the scoring average drops to 3.58. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of you just, and not a single person laid up, you send yeah. it up there and you see what happens and you go, you, you recalibrate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because it is, it's, uh, it's a complete shift in a mindset, isn't it? It's a complete shift in a mindset on a tour where people are playing for a lot of, a lot of money, literally from 2018. So basically from 2018, prior to that, arguably people have, you could say, have been getting that a bit wrong, haven't they? That, that's something that if you were getting that right and not telling anyone, you would have been gaining Oh, is that, uh, is 100%. I mean, it's just, it's, this is probably the most clear example of, again, I always hate saying the word aggressive, but if I have to use a word off the tee, I want you as aggressive as possible. I want you hitting driver everywhere you possibly can and then see what happens, you know, see, see, see where you wind up driving and recalibrate from there because this hole, you just have to get it up and around the green. Well, when doc Redman won the U S amateur there in, in 2017, he was in a playoff with Doug Gim and I'm pretty sure Doug put it in the front bunker or short of the front bunker. And he made like a double on the first hole of the playoff to let doc win the U S amateur. And you just would see that stuff all the time on this hole where it's just, I mean, people just make a mess of it from green side because they're trying to make birdies even once they're out of position, as opposed to just giving up. What's interesting. I think, I don't know if you think this Lou. So I posted a tweet literally last week's asking people what the term artistry means. People want to see more artistry, they say. So I I literally just posted, can you explain to me what that actually means? And it was quite interesting watching people not be able to explain what that means, but wanting it. But (laughs) this is, which was quite, it was funny. Um, But this, this is a really good example how I think that the people who are saying what they want from artistry, this philosophy of changing understanding how to play this hole is taking the artistry out of this hole as they understand that word does that make sense Lou what I'm trying to say there because people are now just inadvertent commas you can't see me I'm holding my fingers up bombing it up there opposed to you know iron off the tee wedge in the green birdie he's getting the shot and here comes whoever Faldo like that it's not that you're losing artistry it's that you're just they're just being smarter and to hit the ball into, let's say, if you're going to hit, if you're going to hit the ball ten yards from the green with a driver at whatever three hundred five yards, compared to it in it, 
into a 70 yard wide fairway at 270. Well, you would argue the fine art, the fine motor skill artistry is actually in the 305, 10 yards off the green, is it not? Lou, what do you think? Does that make sense what I'm saying there? Uh, yeah, it, it does. Uh, it does make sense. And, you know, I, I think that this hole has always been a really interesting, hot topic with folks, especially as it relates to angles. But, you know, coming back to artistry, um, I, I, I think that um, I, I don't quite understand what folks mean by that. And, and I saw your tweet and I got involved in that thread. And some people said they want the ball to curve more. They want people to shape shots more. And what I find interesting about that is, and it kind of relates to this hole that we're talking about, is we, we understand that stock shots have the tightest dispersion pattern, right? They're, they're going to hit it tighter when you're hitting your stock shot. And if you want somebody to intentionally curve it more uh, when they don't need to, right? There's no tree in the way and you just want them to curve it more because you like that style better. As a PGA Tour player, they're out there trying to make money. The lower their score, the more money they're going to make. And they're not going to intentionally do things that are going to cause their score to go up. They're going to do things that cause their score to, could, to go down. And hitting more stock shots is going to cause their score to, to go down. And sending it on Riviera number 10 is going to cause their score to go down. And so the, the myth of, boy, that's a really hard green and, and it's got this, it's angled and you really want to approach that from the left and you need the proper angle and you, and you need to play it that way. That is just... It, they thought that way in 1985 and we know that not to be true. And somebody brought this up a while ago around angles. And I think this was the thing that prompted me to do angle schmangles and on Twitter. And, <laughs> and they talked about this using, using 10 at Riv as the example where you need the good angle. And I posted it, you can see it out there. And I have, I don't know, maybe 14, 15 years worth of data from, from Riv number 10. And Every single player that laid up to the extreme left-hand side, um, the scoring average for those players is 4.01. And all the players that sended it, uh, their scoring average is 3.88. That is a significant difference between the two. And if I'm a PGA Tour player and I've learned through whatever mechanism, in this case it's math, I've learned through the math that boy, I am, if I play this hole over and over and over again, I am better off to send it, hope for a good outcome in my variance and hope I'm in a really good spot because then I'm going to, you know, birdie becomes pretty likely. Um, And if not, I'm, you know, I'm still going to make a four a good chunk of the time versus, you know, laying back, I'm going to have a higher score. Well, I'm a PGA tour player and I'm trying to make money. I want a lower overall score. I'm going to do things that result in that. And, and sending it at 10 is what you need to do. Well, and, and just to add on that real quick, because angle schmangles, I think is fun. Number, number 10 in the first round of 2019, I just drew a yellow line bisecting basically from the flag and taking it along the edge of the front bunker using that as the angle. So I'm saying this, these balls don't have the bunker in the way, the direct line of flight to the hole. And just as a quick eyeball, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, about eight or nine balls that actually wound up with the good angle that laid up. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, about eight balls that did not get the good angle. So even in laying up, and that can't be much more than about a six iron, maybe a five iron for these guys. And even the ones that are still chasing the angle, they still didn't even get the angle. It's just, 
a really hard thing to put a ball in such a small spot. But then to what you guys are talking about, the idea of working it more and artistry and whatever, I think that where we've taken the math and totally disproven the idea of hunting an eagle intentionally, I think that it's, it's, it's not, there's really not a whole lot of math we can do aside from a study like Lou said, where you ask people to send in data from their stock shot and then hitting it harder and hitting it softer and whatever. I think that if there was a way we could show the data of working it less to your point, even if you did make a ball that curves and spins a lot more, the PJ tour players now are getting smarter and they still wouldn't go be, you know, artists because artistry is not repeatable doing the same thing over and over again, almost by definition is more repeatable. And again, that's ultimately the exact thing that I try to teach every single player that I ever talk to. Yeah. Well, I think this is the, the word there that really stands out, which is interesting. And this temp hole at Riviera does highlight this so brilliantly is the last word you use there, Scott, is that you teach. So think about this. um, Lou used the word maths, and you did too, Scott. And then Lou used the words data, and I think you did as well, Scott. If I have a tour player and I change the way they use their ground reaction forces or I tweak their grip and they go out and win a major because they gain more shots than they were gaining the season before on the field... I would be celebrated, wouldn't I? I'd be celebrated as a coach. Could, you can, I can't think of any negative, you know, your Claude Harmons of the world, they're celebrated as coaches and rightfully show. So is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The problem you've got is that if I say the word maths and data to reduce people's scoring average, that's not artistry, that's science. And I didn't like science at school, it bored me. But if I <laughs> use, no, but do you see what I'm saying? Oh, here? yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Claude Harmon. It carries, it carries baggage with it. Yeah, Claude Harmon. And I'm not digging at Claude Harmon because he does an amazing job. I'm just picking him out as a coach that people will recognize as coaching, you know, major winners, Dustin Johnson and used to be Brooks and then all the rest of it. Um, that's artistry because they stand behind the golfer and they change things and work with the golfer. It's no different. It, so it's, it's the way we sell it is the problem you should we need to stop using the word math and we need to stop using the word data and just call it a lesson here's a lesson that will help you score better and earn more money on a temp just go for it you idiot that's what you say you don't use the word math and you don't because literally i'm going to use the word idiot yeah (laughs) but does that make sense (laughs) what i'm saying it's black and white their scoring average comes down from the past years because their lesson has changed Yes, it's data and yes, it's maths that has made that people aware of that. But when we're selling it, our product to the audience, whatever that product is. So you selling decade or me selling information and Lou selling data and maths. You need to stop calling it data and maths. You need well, to the one thing that I'll say, the, the one thing that I'll say is the, the reason we started talking about this was to you know, assimilate it to number 17 at TPC Scottsdale from last week. And it's just so interesting because the first round, that pin in the back corner 
I agree. Right is dead. It is not a good place to be to the back pin. You can't access it. Everything's rolling away. It's a super narrow little tongue that sticks back between a bunker and some water. Right is a really bad spot, but guess what? It's a better spot than the water hazard. This just last week. So it's not even taking these guys years to learn this stuff. Now they're recognizing their mistakes intra tournament at this point in the first round. And obviously this might just be negative variance. I have no idea. Maybe just a bunch of people missed it left. I would think that's a nice coincidence. If so, in the first round on 17 at Scottsdale last week, the average score was 4.06. Zalatoris hit a three wood over the green in the third round. The hole is drivable by 100% of the PGA tour. And the score was 4.06 because Nobody wanted to be right, so they all fudged it just a little bit too far left, and they wound up having was it thirty-eight balls in the Waterloo? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, something like that. It was, it was a quite, huge quite number. A bit. Yeah. The last three rounds, the scoring average was three point five one in the second, three point six five in the third, and three point six four in the final round. I guarantee you, we could take any of the tee shot patterns of those last three rounds and have them hole out to the back hole location, which again, it is harder. The scoring average would probably drop, I bet you, to 3.8, which we're literally talking a quarter of a shot of bad, either strategy, variance, psychology, whatever it is, um, you know, aiming. Maybe they did pick the right target, right edge of the green, and thought, God, I, I really don't want to go right, though. So they just inched it a little bit further left mid-swing, and next thing you know, they've hit – you know, 20 plus percent of their tee shots in the water. Again, 4.06 is a scoring average compared to the last three rounds under 3.6. That pin position is not a half a stroke harder. I can assure you of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see that. I mean, I just see that when you make the reference to drivable par fours on the PGA Tour that have, you know, good hazards on them. If you take the 10th, at Riviera, if you try, go up there to go for that green and you do miss it in the wrong place, it does then ask you some questions. It doesn't just lay down and go, oh, I'm short, you're going to birdie me. If you miss it in the wrong place, it still asks you serious questions. Uh, 17th foot Scottsdale for the waste management. I mean, you've got a water hazard around the back and left. So it's instantly asking you some some big questions. That the, the punishment is there. The drivable par fours where people see them, I think sometimes as a negative thing that the, the players can now drive them. Actually, if you are prepared to, to, to sit down and think, and I think this is where the TV fail. If you, if you, I think we would be able to get this message through on a TV cast and people would actually start to see that there is more artistry being applied than just hitting a six iron and a wedge into a green. It's actually more artistry as understanding where your misses are, what your variance is, what the chances of you making a birdie stroke path from just going for the middle of the green, even when the pin is at the back. Everything you say, everything you say makes me think that it's more artistic. Like I'm listening to you speak and I'm thinking like, this is what Picasso was saying. Like, I'm not comparing you to Picasso, Scott, so calm down. You haven't seen me draw. Bad. I can assure yeah. you I'm but not Picasso. But you see Picasso. what I mean? You know, yeah. when, well, when gonna... artists do things that are new, when Van Gogh does what he did, you know, he kills himself and he doesn't sell a thing and he's, he thinks he's a failure and then the world realizes he was doing really clever things. There's sometimes more artistry there than what people think they, well, from the understanding that's given to them. Um, I actually see it as more artistry, not less, the fact that they can use these pads. 
the whole field laying up on that 16th, uh, sorry, the 17th foot Scottsdale, not going for it, that would be such a boring hole, would it not? Would that not be such a boring hole? Well, that's where architecture, in my opinion, the, the holes they mess up the most sometimes, in my opinion, are the drivable-ish par fours, where they're they're hoping you hit driver, but it's just so patently obvious it's not a driver and then they're kind of left stuck going well i don't really know what to hit and this is you know i'm never going to go on no laying spot up, ups podcast so let's just throw them under the bus and number 15 <laughs> in connecticut last year they're all beside themselves because they're like you know a couple balls got saved by the left rough there's about a foot of rough left of the green it, it's a very similar hole here to number 17 in, yeah, in, 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 in scottsdale yeah. And they're just like, oh, that rough is just stupid. It's saving all these shots. And I'm like, if that rough wasn't there, it would 100% be a layup because right is there's grandstands and, and you can lose a ball. There's native area. Like it's, it's dead. Yeah. And so it's like, they're arguing about something. It's like, well, okay, let's say, let's, let's analyze that. Okay. Let's take that rough out. There was like 20 or 25 shots that day that got hung up in the rough that if those all go in the water, the scoring average was already right around par. If those go in the water, it's obviously a layup. That would be the worst hole on the planet. And they're arguing that it's bad architecture and bad, you know, set up by the PGA tour because those golf shots were being saved. It would be the worst hole on tour. If they were literally hitting seven iron sandwich, it would yeah, be absolutely. so dumb. It's mind boggling. Absolutely. It's an interesting, it's a really good, I think it's a really good discussion. And I think there is so much to learn from the intricate kind of skill levels of ability and then stroke vision and then knowledge to get the scores lower, which can be interpreted as artistry if we want to go that way. I mean, another thing with that term artistry, because it can't really be defined, and that's the beauty of art really, is that it is, you know, there's always going to be a level of opinion. I mean, I think it was the Bauhaus movement put a urinal in a, in a gallery and then they called it art because it was in the gallery. Um, artistry can be whatever you want it to be. And I just think people are maybe the idea that they're projecting about the ideas of artistry are not looking deep enough to see that they're, if, if the idea is built around, you know, shaping shots and thinking through shots and being clever on the courses, which is kind of what they were hinting at that term means. Well, actually what you're saying, this isn't just bombing. This is actually being really clever and smart and being, well, creative, which then leads on to artistry. Like it, it, to think the way you're thinking is quite a creative way of thinking of playing these holes, isn't it? Because it, it's outside the box. It's. it's I just think it's a non sequitur, honestly. I just think it's a, it's a word that logically doesn't have any real meaning. I just think it's just a, it's just a, a fancy flowery word that actually means nothing. And if it does mean anything, it doesn't mean what the people hope that it means. It means yeah. intentionally accepting a higher score. Yeah, and yeah, I'm sorry if that's, you know, if, if we've ruined the folklore and mystique of a lot of the, the old great players, but I think that a lot of the old players that people thought were shot shapers and, and, and artists like the Corey Pavins, like, you know, all these other people, like they weren't necessarily the best ball strikers. They kind of had a little bit of a funky looking swing, which made people think that they were doing all kinds of interesting stuff with shots and shaping and working. It was like, maybe they just weren't that good at hitting the ball. And maybe mm -hmm. that was because they didn't really just have a stock shot that they owned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's really interesting. I think there's so much to learn from those short holes. Lou, anything no, that's to a, add? It's a really good point. I've, I've had some conversations recently about Corey Pavin and, 
um, he is always brought up as he, you know, whatever the shot called for, he would hit it. You need a cut, he hits a cut. You need a draw, he hits a draw. He, he shaped every single shot given the, the situation. And when you go back and you look at his stats, he did not hit very many greens. I mean, he was, he had a, he had a few years where he did okay. And I could probably pull it up here while we're talking, but for the most part, for most of his career, he did not hit a lot of greens. I mean, he was, you know, he was bottom quarter of the field as far as the number of greens hit and could he, you know, I have it right here, right? So he, his first two years, and this is really interesting, 84 and 85 were his best back-to-back years in his you know, number of greens hit. You know, we don't, we don't have strokes gained from back then. So, you know, the number of greens hit has a decent relationship with strokes gained approach. It's not, it's not off the charts, but it's pretty good. Uh, 84 and 85 was when he hit the ball pretty long. He still hit the ball long. He hadn't shortened his swing yet. And he was a whole lot. He was like middle of the pack length off the tee, which I remember when I first came across that it blew my mind because like after that, like when he shortened his swing, he went from middle of the pack um, in distance to like, like last on tour, like in 1984 in 1985, I think it was 84. He probably was like top 12, top 13 and strokes gained off the tee. Corey Pavin. And, and that's because Wait, he strokes was strokes off the team in 1984. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a really good relationship with the total driving stat and strokes gained off the tee. That's a pretty gotcha. strong relationship. And he had, he was, I don't know, 12th or 13th in, um, in uh, total driving in 84 when he was way longer, he still hit good number of fairways. He was way longer. Then he shortens his swing and he gets way shorter he picked up a few percentage points in fairway, but it wasn't like he, you know, he was hitting 50% and went to 75, you know, he went from 68 to you know 70. It, it, mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't a massive uptake in fairway percentage, but his greens in regulation after 84 and 85, this, these were his ranks, 88, 110, 119, 128. And then from 90 to 93, he was hitting the ball decent, 35, 84, 54, and 10. And then after that, his best year after that was ranked 95th, or 95th in, in greens and reg. And it, and it was 125, 195. And then after that, from 19... 97 and forward, his best greens and reg ranking was 145. Like for the rest of his career, he wasn't better than 145 in greens and reg. And I see him used as an example of that's how the game is supposed to play, be played. And, and my, my question is, is if that's how the game is supposed to be played and shaping your shots is such a huge advantage why didn't he hit any greens? Um, Corey Pavin was a phenomenal player because of his short game and his putting. If we had strokes gained around the green and strokes gained putting back then, my guess is he's probably one of the top three in short games the game of golf has ever seen. But as far as being an amazing ball striker because he could make the ball curve left and right, I look at these numbers and think, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. There you go. Thanks, guys. Um, I mean, if you get a chance to watch the event this week, check out the 10th, I guess, uh, at Riviera. They're all going to be going for it. And and there's just so much more creative thinking involved in that decision. More, I think it's terms like bomb and gouge and all these really bad terms that just kind of simplify 
the actual really creative way that these people are trying to play golf and skillful way at the end of the day, isn't it? It's a very skillful way that they're trying to play it. It's quite funny when I look at the, um, we've got just in front of me, I've got the 17th at Scottsdale, um, the pin position back right and the amount of people that are hitting in the water when they're going for the pin back right. I just see the pin back right as like double four on the craps board. Like you just don't put your money on the double four. You just you just keep doing your come bets and that's the middle of the green or to the right side and, and you know, hope it comes in with the odds on. It's so funny, isn't it? Well, um, I noticed we, right of the green, a whole lot of red, which means birdies and left of the green, a whole lot of black, blue. which means bogeys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, absolutely. So to yeah, that, yeah. that backed pin, I have a ton of data on that back pin. So that back pin, this is again, across 15 years worth of data. It's interesting. They score pretty good to that back pin. When they lay up off the tee, uh, and, and again, this is over 15 years worth of data to the back extreme back pin. This is 17 at TPC. Uh, no, this is, I'm back to Riviera. Sorry, oh, Riviera. Yeah, okay, Riv, back to Riviera. Riv, Riv number pin. 10. Their scoring average was 3.91 when they lay up. That's across all layups. And when they go for it, it's 3.65. Wow. Right? <laughs> like, just there's your lesson. That's it. Well, there's your, there's your Claude Harmon lesson. There's me stood on the range. Feet apart, hands in pockets, nodding my head, touching the golfer, moving their swing into a position that's so romantic. That's as an important lesson as any swing lesson anyone's being given. Um, imagine a swing lesson where the guy walked off the tee literally a quarter of a shot better. We're not talking a 20 handicap here. Oh, yeah. 100%. A PGA Tour player, a quarter shot better just by saying, hey, dude, hit your driver on 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop playing for an angles, schmangles. Yeah, and yeah, well, this doesn't just apply to, you know, one of the things I've seen people say around this topic is, yeah, but it's different for players that aren't PGA tour players that don't hit the ball a long way, have really slow s- swing speeds. They need to play for the angle because they're running and chasing everything up. And my response to that is, have you ever played with somebody, you know, let's say they, they're a shorter hitter and they hit it, you know, 170, 180 off the tee. They do not have a lot of club head speed. And they're, you know, I've played with guys like that and, and they, you know, they'll play even from the, you know, the forward tees um, or some of these guys will try to play more quote unquote regular tees. You know, they have a lot of woods coming into par fours, right? They have a lot of long shots coming in. Have you ever seen a really slow uh, swing speed player try to hit a three wood out of the rough when the ball nestles down just a smidge, it's not going anywhere. Like they don't have any kind of speed to get that ball out and advance it anywhere. So to intentionally tell a player like that to hit closer to the rough, where if they hit it into the rough and it settles down, they can't advance the ball more than 80 yards or whatever the case may be. That's just a recipe for disaster. Even those players need to be trying to, well, avoid trouble, number one, but trying to get it as far as they can and in the fairway, taking into account trouble that's nearby. Again, in my opinion, it's just a total lack of understanding of what it is, you know, we teach, decade teaches, the data teaches, whatever you want to call it. I mean, because, you know, Peter Costas is a great instructor, great player, great everything, great announcer. I really enjoy him. But even yesterday in, in the thread, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, you know, he said, you know, angles don't matter as much anymore as they used to. And I want to be like, no, you just haven't listened to the argument yet. They, they didn't matter then either. Again, it's, it's not that they don't matter. It's not you, they didn't have the ability to chase them on purpose. That's the fundamental thing that people are missing 
yeah. when they when they keep going back to it absolutely there you go brilliant thank you guys as always love your insights into the data there well not data the golf lessons it's not data it's not maths calm down everybody (laughs) it's the artistry of making lower scores why do we call it that thanks for watching everybody yeah (laughs) you've used the wrong word again we Uh, we need a marketing meeting we're gonna have we're gonna sit down when we turn this pot off we have a marketing meeting the marketing meeting needs to start with okay if we're gonna be get more guests on so far we've got uh, uh, Elkington, that's got a problem. <laughs> you brought in Faldo. I just brought in Costas. <laughs> it's going to be us three for the duration if we don't find some friends. Absolutely. I'm not good at finding friends. There we go. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, let us know. Tanner Riviera, if you got the chance to play it, are you now going for it? If you can get it anywhere near that green, hopefully you are. And check out um, the tournament this week and see how many do go for it. I think you'll find that the uh, idea of aggression is going to be in there for most of them off the tee because at the end of the day they just want to shoot lower scores as always thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode